your positive, positive, positive imprint. Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready. For your positive imprint. Well, hello. I hope you are getting outdoors no matter which hemisphere you live in. I just love reflecting and pondering life's questions while sitting outdoors. Well, Espen Lietzo says it best about the outdoors, and he lives out in Norway, and he is a nurse. He has an incredible story to tell about his own life becoming a nurse, but also about the incredible outdoors. He is joined by Kina, his companion, who is a dog sled team trainer. Listen to episode 10, Your Positive Imprint, Outdoor Adventures, Norway with Espen and Kina. You can also listen to their adventures with guide Bernie of Tundra Tours in Norway. Episode 39, Step Outside. Well, hello, everybody. This is Catherine, your host of the podcast, Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring people all over the world whose positive achievements inspire positive thought and action. Exceptional people rising to the challenge. Music by, of course, the talented Chris Knoll. Check out his music and learn more about him at chrisknoll.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E.com. You can also listen to his music on Spotify and Pandora. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Visit my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, where you can subscribe to this podcast. You can also subscribe and follow my show from your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, etc. Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.? Well, today's guest is a longtime educator, but he's also an avid outdoors person when he has the time out of the classroom, <laughs> learning new skills such as diving and adventures in the Philippines where his wife is from. He's going to share his positive imprints, which also includes a family hardship due to a sad death, which is growing into a beautiful tribute that helps people globally. Kirk... Hardum, welcome to the show. Hi, Catherine. How are you? It's good to see you. <laughs> it's great to see you, and you look so relaxed there in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's it's good. I mean, given the conditions and, you know, and all, all the different stresses and things that people have, you know, uh, have got to, you know, face at this time, I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing quite well. So, anyway. Well, Kirk, let's start out with uh, your your lifelong achievement in education, and and what inspired you. Was there any any event that inspired you in life that said I have to be in education? Well, I I think for me it just started, um, you know, in you know when I was actually going through college and. I was doing a lot of theater, uh, was told many times that, you know, I wasn't going to make any money at that. But during the course of that, just trying to make some money, you know, they got me to do Saturday theater classes with uh, mid-school kids. And uh, I believe one of my professors, they recognized that I, I guess I was pretty good with the kids. And uh, <laughs> I guess that's not always the case. You you yourself know um you know, how, how special you need to be 
to, to work with kids and young people. And uh, so at that time, I really, I really directed a lot of my efforts uh, with working with young people and not just young people, uh, working with kids, you know, who grow up a little bit like I did, uh, a little bit at risk, um, who needed a little more incentive, uh, a little more push, uh, which I did. And uh, I, it was very gratifying being in the classroom for, uh, for so many years. And, you know, I went back to the classroom from admin uh, a couple of years ago. And, and again, another learning experience because, <laughs> you know, the kids now, they learn differently, right? And uh, they use all the technology. So um, uh, even though the stories are classic and old and, and have the same sorts of themes and, and really neat stuff going on, you have to reach them through technology now many times to, to go ahead and to get their interest. And so um, it was a challenge, uh, but it was a challenge that I really enjoyed. Well, and that, of course, brings me to the podcast because I love getting my message out worldwide through this technology and having people from, my gosh, places like Malawi even. And, yeah. you know, just I listeners. Know. Yeah, it's awesome. So you you had your own struggles growing up. So what what were those like in the classroom? And, and like you had, you said you were at risk. By at risk, I, I mean... I guess there were a couple of things. I, I grew up on the Navajo reservation. I did not so, know uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Started off a long time ago, a little place called Fort Wingate. And so, you know, many of my friends and in my community, uh, they were Native American. So, um, you know, and actually, you know, even as a uh, Caucasian person, I, I was the minority. And uh, many of my Native American friends would say that, uh, you know, that's kind of your base is that you, whatever community you grow up in, that's where you derive your values. So many times I, I did recognize where um, things could be better for different kids uh, is, is, you know, in the way of resources, in the way that, that we, we approached education. Uh, to make life and education possible for them so that they could have lives that were meaningful and productive and, and all of those things. And, and so I've always worked on, on equality and making sure that uh, we as educators always provide uh, everything we can to all the students that we have. When you were on the reservation, you were there because your parents had jobs? Correct. My, my mother was was a stay-at-home mother at that particular time. And then um, she ended up becoming a counselor later. But my father was a counselor for uh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs. And so we lived in that small community. My classmates, um, they all lived in dorms. You know, you wouldn't think that that, that would happen. But um, so they actually lived there. Uh, in the dorms and attended uh, attended our high school, and so they they were away from their families for great lengths of time. You know, my father he worked as a counselor up at the uh, elementary school, so there was elementary school at Wingate, and there was also um, a high school. And so, because I lived in the community and my father worked, I was allowed to be a day student at at Wingate, and so. 
Uh, 99.9% of my classmates were uh, Native American. I was the, you know, I was the point one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what a what a great experience, though. Very, very rich in culture, and like you say, your 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 values are are derived from where you grow up in, and and that that's true. That's true, and of course, values change as we move on in our lives, and we we experience different things, but we still use Correct. those values to uh, lean up upon. And so now you obviously grew up with education because of your parents. And I, and I have to say, when you grow up in a community where not a lot of the students go on and maybe attend college, it's not a real reality sometimes, you know, for some cultures to do that. And, and especially the extra burden uh, part of the, the culture with, um, I know I'm speaking broadly, but Native Americans, but Navajos, is that you don't leave home. Uh, many times you stay there, you take care of the family. So it's a it's a very difficult leap sometimes for Native Americans to to jump into the quote unquote white culture because it hasn't been part of their culture. And so so anyway, I'm I'm proud of of many of my Native American friends who have gone on and been successful. Their communities have not always agreed with that because. Uh, they're very much, uh, they, they stay in community, they stay at home. Uh, so to go outside of the community is very challenging for them. But when they come back as doctors and successful people and help the community, um, that's when things really pay off. And I don't want to segue into anything here, but but that's the way uh, my, my wife has operated. Um, it's the Ethan Sabesa uh, Foundation. In Kerigara, um, Leyte, uh, the Philippines, um, is that, you know, uh, many people in that small community, um, they they go back every year and uh, they help the hospital with minor procedures. They all get together. It's uh, Holy Week in the Philippines. And they all get together at the small hospital there and, and you know, help out the community and my wife has been going back for several years, you know, as part of, um, it's called uh, Worlds Apart, One Heart. And it's basically doctors and nurses going uh, to help their own community in which they live, a way in which they give back uh, to their community. So, you know, endeavors and values and all of those things, I think in the end, um, you know, no matter who you are, you're an educator or environmentalist or whatever it is it really is about giving back and and taking care of those that that took care of us you know and uh made sure that we were whole uh in our growing up this is so interesting and we are going to talk quite a bit about this and and i'm glad that you brought this up because i wasn't aware of the community involvement in your wife's in the Philippines, and of course the Philippines for listeners, and I might get this wrong, so Kirk may have to help me out here, but for listeners who aren't familiar with the geography of the Philippines, it consists of, of well, Kirk, maybe you know how many islands? <laughs> Around 7,000. Okay, 7,000 islands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not all inhabited, of course, but many of them are. Right, exactly. So it's, yeah, and, and then just going... Backing up to your Navajo upbringing, 
listeners. So there are, just for some trivia here, we have a worldwide renowned author who actually is from New Mexico, and he wrote books. He was raised on the Navajo Reservation, and that's Tony Hillerman. And Kirk is shaking his head. He's probably read his books. But if if you want to, yeah, yeah. If you want a great book, listeners, uh, to sit down and sit outside, Tony Hillerman, his books are in, oh my gosh, I cannot even remember how many different languages, but I have sent some of those books to my friends in Denmark because they were in Danish. Yes, and, uh, and, yeah, and another one maybe your your listeners would maybe they would want to know about, and he just passed away um, oh, maybe yes. a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Rodolfo Anaya with Bless Me Ultima. Yes, but they a very rich. It gives a very rich insight to to our culture in New Mexico, and not not just you know um, New Mexico in general, but northern New Mexico. Yes, uh, specifically where I think. Where you're located. Yes, you know, yes. Up in, up, up in the north, we call yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. And Bless Me Ultima is such a phenomenal book. So it, yes. uh, the way his book, he has one side in English and the other side is in Spanish uh, on the same page. But my students, as you know, have used that book for uh, comprehension and life lessons and culture. And so listeners would love it. And Rawadi James, who is a former guest of mine, he's a Mahdi from New Zealand. He wrote a book called Lost Boy. And he has some incredible cultural uh, connections. And I don't want to give anything away, but there are some cultural connections in there. So there's some great authors out there, great books. And Rowdy, you'll need to pick up a Tony Hillerman and a Rudolfo Naya. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for bringing that up, Kirk. Yeah. So our paths have connected so many different times throughout the the two decades, yeah. which yes, has been yeah. yeah, which has been just phenomenal. Yeah. There goes an Aber squirrel. I thought at first through the corner of my eye that it was a skunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on your side. I was looking back here. No. I was like, oh, no. Go. No, we've so, got a, a little cute uh, skunk that lives in the area. He's well, a he's the runt of the litter, literally. For three yeah. years, he's not grown. And he just hangs out at the property, and our dog tolerates yeah. him, and he tolerates her. Oh, wow. But is there anything more you want to say about education and how it has inspired you otherwise we can move on to no i can say too you know i i think early on you know i i recognized um that that you were you were going over and above for your students um thank you you know and especially you know at at that time it was just going green but it was recognizing the earth right it was recognizing that that we 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 need to do a better job in many areas not just to preserve our environment, to, but to preserve ourselves. And so um, I always really appreciated that. And you were you were excellent with the kids, and they, they really loved you. Oh, that's so nice, Kirk. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that you said that with you talking about the environment and outdoors. Let's talk a little bit about the outdoors before we jump into the Philippines, because you love okay. the outdoors. and. You just went I do. diving, and you have this incredible picture of you 
Was it? They were uh, whale sharks. Whale sharks. Okay, um, I couldn't remember yeah. whale sharks. And, uh, well, you know, I, and part of my past too is, um, you know, I was able to live and work in Hawaii for a year. And uh, I remember that. I love being in the ocean. I, I don't know what all it is, but uh, it was so great being living in Hawaii and just being able to go down and, and swim every day. You know, a lot, not a lot of people. I mean, they love the water, but they won't get out there enough. But I just that interaction and the beautiful water in Hawaii. And, and so the extension of that was, you know, I had heard that they, um, you know, they, they would let you go ahead and swim with the whale sharks. So that's the first place I wanted to go uh, when we were going on my our mission, if you would, uh, for my nephew's foundation. Uh, we visited, it's called Oslob, uh, and it's in the province of Cebu. And uh, we were able to drive down there and uh, uh, so to get in there. And uh, they're just gentle giants. Of course, me, I made sure that they, you know, they didn't have the ability to eat me. And, uh, <laughs> I'm a pretty big guy, so I thought, yeah. oh, they but they're massive, but you know, on the locals there, I don't know if it's a good thing, but they, they kind of, um, they'll put krill in the water and that's kind of how they attract the, the whales to that, that area. I don't know if that's a good thing, but, uh, yeah. um, but you're able to get down there with them and, and, uh, there's not a lot of interaction, but, uh, but boy, I mean, it was, it was an exciting experience, you know, um, uh, my wife wouldn't go with me. She said, I'll stay in the boat and uh, good luck to you on that one. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so but I, I live and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I, and what I enjoyed about the Philippines and, and the Filipino people is that they're, they're probably the most welcoming people on, on planet Earth. There's just something about their hospitality. And I, I've learned that from my wife over the years that it's, you know, there's any excuse to have a party. There's, uh, um, you know, what, what, you know, if you need something to eat or drink or stay or whatever, uh, the Filipino people are, are, are just amazing. And it, and, and so now I, I think, you know, I hate to vault back to education. I'm actually working with a lot of Filipino teachers that our district has brought over um, right, because you know, we have a shortage you know, of teachers. We do, and and to kind of meet that shortage, um, our our local district has tapped into our Filipino teachers, and you know they they make very light of it, but uh, many of our Filipino our Filipinos are also nurses, and so they're essential, they're critical, and uh, you know they, and that's just one thing that they want to come and do. They they want to be in America because they just think, you know, um, that is the land of opportunity. So they're very gracious and and uh, they um, they take advantage of opportunities. But they're uh, the, uh, one of the greatest people that 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 you can have um, as part of your community. Uh, that's that's wonderful. And how did you and your wife meet? Um, and it was a long well, time ago. Oh my gosh. So no, well, I mean, now, now we got to go back to the reservation. So, <laughs> Oh, it was that that you met her that long. <laughs> well, ago. well, I mean, there's kind of a backstory to that as well, but, um, we met, uh, in college at the university of New Mexico. 
Um, I think I was in my second year. She was in her first year. But ironically, um, I lived in Fort Wingate, a little Native American um, village or town about 15 miles away from Gallup, New Mexico. And she went to school in Gallup. So we only went to high school about 12 miles away from each other. And uh, I told this story the other day is, uh, you know, I, you know, I always ask her, was it love at first sight? And she says, I don't think so. But <laughs> she knew um, I played baseball in Gallup in the summers. And, and she, I found out, actually went to those games to go see her friends who were on my team, you know, play. <laughs> and I said, I was right there. I was on second base. Did you not? There's no... I, I never saw you. you know, so, so it wasn't a love at first sight thing. But uh, and then, of course, we both ended up at uh, uh, UNM, the University of New Mexico. And then your paths crossed, although you didn't know they were crossing again. And right, right. Then yeah, that's where I, I was a, love at first sight. <laughs> yeah, well, I I had a roommate that was from Gallup, and he says, uh, you know, this is a a uh, girl I, I, that I think you need to meet. And so I guess the rest is history from there. But, uh, yeah. but uh, it took a while for her to warm up to me. I was, I was a little out there at the time. So still a little <laughs> out there now. I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's so funny. I remember when you used to, when you came back from Hawaii and you were, uh, back with the school system you would you would wear your different hawaiian shirts and you would oh, have a story yeah. to tell it was it was just yeah, so much fun yeah. you're you're a you're you're yeah. a good storyteller and you have a lot of adventures up that hawaiian sleeve so <laughs> yes yes i yeah and uh, hawaii was i mean it was just it was a wonderful place to yeah. be you know and uh i kind of attribute you know again you know i always go back to you know my my Native American roots, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, I've always adapted, you know, and I think uh, I've always adapted to communities and cultures, uh, I think, you know, a little easier than maybe somebody else because I've had a lot of diverse experiences. And, and so, you know, and that's, that's not always the easiest of things for, for many people, but that's what we try to teach kids, right? Right. Um, be diverse. See all the things that you can see. Right. Yeah. Um, get as many points of view as you can. And and then make, you know, then make decisions or that makes up your belief system. And and uh, you know, and my belief system is it is, it's it's all about culture and the outdoors and and uh trying to help people uh achieve things that maybe even they they themselves didn't, you know, or, or didn't really believe that they could. And so old enough now where I, I've seen a lot of that happen, um, you know, with the young people that, that I had. And it's real satisfying. Thank, thank goodness for Facebook. But, uh, sure. you know, when they, when they still want to connect to you, that, that means you, you made some sort of impression. And, uh, you know, and they're all, they're all at the age where they're giving back, you know. So anyway. Yes, that's true. I tell them, well, I was a teacher, so just send money. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, and and your wife, she was going to be here today, but she is a nurse. And what is her name again? I'm sorry. 
Her name is Blasilla, and uh, B-L-E-S-I-L-A. She, she's got a, a great story as well, but um, uh, they came over um, to America. You know, her father was basically running from martial law um, and came over, but he was an engineer that worked first in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then as fate may have it, she ended up in Gallup, New Mexico as a, as a high school student. But, uh, you know, she's seen a lot of the world as well as I have. And, uh, and so somewhere in between we met, uh, when we went to the Philippines, it, it was the first time that I had gone with her. And, uh, I was amazed at, at the connections that, you know, the Filipino people have. And, and, uh, and I, I just enjoyed, you know, being there, but it was true to form, you know, because the foods and everything were so different. She thought I would starve to death in the three <laughs> weeks that I was there. <laughs> but I said, no, I, I developed a taste for octopus. It was very, very good. So, and uh, she had been going, um, you know, like I said, with a group of uh, medical providers uh, every other year for a while. And then, um, then her and my nephew tragically passed away um, in a car accident and at college. And then they, you know, it, this was probably eight and months later. that was later. Ethan, right? That was Ethan, Ethan Sabay. Yeah. And they said that we really need to do something for him. I don't, I don't know where, you know, the brainchild came from. Uh, probably his father, um, uh, Avilio, uh, Bill Sabay. And, uh, you know, again, let's give back to those that, that don't have enough. So I was on board. And so, um, so one of the big reasons we were there was to break ground in Kerigara for a new medical clinic uh, that, you know, that was going to be called the Ethan Foundation Clinic, I believe. And then they have also had plans to have uh, an educational center open there in the in the near future to back up because i i cut you off there when you were talking about blessila being yes. a nurse so she in the united states she's been a nurse for a couple decades and um yeah as long as long as we've both you know been doing she's had her career over 30 years just like i've been in education over 30 years yeah so she's been a nurse and that's why she's not here today is of course she's working um, yes. bless her for doing that uh, yes. and then four years ago Ethan was driving his car yeah he was a student at and a little bit I, I'm a little uh, murky on some of the details because we were actually in Hawaii when all this happened you and rewritten um, it's an aviation school in Prescott Arizona and uh, so they were finishing up a semester I think they had just finished finals whatever it was, but, uh, somehow he, he hit a curb and he rolled the vehicle. And so, um, three, uh, three other students were with him and they were, they were hurt badly, but, uh, Ethan, Ethan was, he was almost killed immediately. And so, so that was, that was, was really hard on the family. And, and so, you know, just, just trying to do something positive, uh, in his memory, and and it just seemed like the perfect fit to to uh, open a, a medical institution. You know, I 
uh, if you knew the kid, he was a, he was, uh, he always, whenever I see double rainbows, it remember, it reminds me of him. I think he's there. I don't know what that is about me and the environment, but you know, <laughs> I, I, it's there's a good signs, connection. Right? It's a good connection. Yeah. yeah and signs. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So the full moons and the double rainbows and all of those things. And I think it's part of my, you know, my upbringing on the reservation, but it's, um, you know, the native Americans always tell you that there's signs for everything. And, and so the double rainbows means that he's, he's with us and he's thinking about us. And, uh, and I think that's true for a lot of people, right? That sure. they have signs and that, that, that keep us, you know, keep us moving forward. Absolutely. And we, we, believe in those signs and that's something that's very important yes so why did and i i kedigada 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 why was that particular place chosen in the philippines kedigada and you go you got to visualize it so i literally had to be there to to get a picture uh, of that so the the reason behind that is that that is where her mother and her father, well, I believe her mother was from that, from that town. She was. And then her father was nearby. But it's really a belief in that either, you know, they, they grew up there and they went to school there. And um, you're surprising how small it is. But, but they boast all of the, you know, these nurses and these doctors. And, you know, there's, there's such a value for education in the Philippines as well. They all came from there, and it was that need to give back, I think, uh, to do that. So that's it, – it's always it's always the go-to. You always go back to where you came from. You always yeah, give okay. back to where you came from. And so in a way, it's, you know, you know because that town, you know, they, they, they brought you up. You know, they, they raised you, and they, uh, they gave you those values. And so it's very important to go back and to do that. And Holy Week is just nuts over there. They've got parades and, um, you know, there's food everywhere and all of that. And that's normally when they'll do the mission. And uh, they take care of you. They feed you. They put you up in housing. And it, it's just uh, I mean, because they appreciate so much because they have so little. It's really easy for the medical providers to go because it's uh, they're they're appreciated so much by by the local community uh, and for all of them and there's a bunch of them uh, to show up and and to to provide care and service is just uh, it's amazing to watch it really is wow and so you were out there and you did this groundbreaking for the building how far along is it now and and is it able to be used medically? You know, it's, um, again, the Philippines, I mean, it's kind of a different world. So, you know, a lot of the organizers in my wife's family, her, her brothers mostly, they do a lot of coordination between them. I think they have the foundation down, but it, um, part of it was the land. Like they all, they own different portions of the land. And so I think it took a long time for them to really settle if you would on on whose land was whose because even now even though they live here in america they own land from their parents but someone has to take care of the land there so there's usually 
families, very needy families, that are working the rice fields, bringing the crop in and doing all that. So they had to figure out how they were going to maneuver where exactly the medical center was going to be. But the last I heard, uh, um, they've laid the groundwork for the foundation. And I, I think it's much cheaper to build there. But, but it's also hard to coordinate when you're not there on the ground, I guess. Sure. So Sure. So now the foundation is going up, or the, not the foundation, but the clinic is going up. But that yes. doesn't that doesn't mean that the the medical team isn't still going out there, right? So so Blasilla is still going out there yearly to give back yeah. to the community. Well, they they uh, they do have a hospital. I mean, it's um, you know it's a little primitive, but it's what they have, right? And I mean, there are local doctors, a few, uh, that work there. And I'm trying to think of the procedures. You know, you'll have some some kids that have cleft palate. Um, they do those procedures. Uh, on the older on the older folks, they do the, I wish I knew all the terminology, but when they get uh, the cataracts in their eyes, so they'll remove those. So it's minor procedures that they do. Because one of the, uh, I think one of the the bad things about the Philippines is that is that people don't have medical insurance there. I, you know, I guess we don't know how lucky we have it, but uh, you know, when somebody when somebody gets sick there and they don't have the money to pay, I mean, in many times that 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 will end up tragically because oh my gosh, and I think their government's addressing it, but it, it's one of those things that we don't even think twice about, but yet, you know, those these things still happen in the world where we could do that. So, you know, getting people insurance and make sure that they're, they're taken care of, you know. You know, you hear that around the world, that that's the case in, in many, many, many places. You think, I mean, I think about that. Uh, and of course, when I am doing this podcast, I I meet people from all over the world. And yes. the, I had some folks on from Nigeria and they talked about the healthcare. They even talked about the internet, and that yeah. the it's just it's a diff, it's a different world. But yet, as Michael Pereira said on my show, he's a dancer from Paris. He said, "Yeah, it's a different world, but we are all citizens of this world together." Yes, very good. Yeah, and especially now with the pandemic, obviously, yeah. you know, we're all dealing with the same types of situations yeah, exactly and so i know i i had a meeting just this morning you know about you know the great debate is on and it's really state by state right now in the united states on you know how to reopen um and we're talking you know, about but is schools it, for the listeners yeah and i'm sorry i i kind of shifted gears on you again but but it you know our our questions you know there's still question i mean we're going to start out remotely you know, and all the kids, you know, we be working on their computers and, and doing the Google Classroom just the way we ended last year. So we'll do that at least through Labor Day here in New Mexico. And I think that's part of the problem now is that we we don't have one uniform thing that anyone's doing. And so and then we call it the hybrid model, which we're, you know, where we physically go back to uh, class after Labor Day with the right precautions, we'll only bring in, we will have the population or half the population uh, will come in one week and then the other half 
of the population would come in the next. So they would alternate, they would alternate weeks. And then of course they would have ongoing uh, remote learning, but so many issues that, you know, I, I mean, teachers concerned, kids concerned, parents concerned on, you know, can we do these things safely? And so that, uh, that's the great debate. So we all, we all look at the other states and, and actually the world to see what we can do or, or should we wait, you know, uh, longer until, uh, till a vaccine is, is created and all of those. I, I was telling my son, it, it really, you know, I said with my reading and all of that, when you read about pandemics, I said, you know, the one of 1819, you know, the Spanish flu, I said, that really was a two-year thing. It was a, a cycle. It's got a cycle through, I said. And and uh, sometimes as Americans, we're, we're not very patient. We... <laughs> We want to be. When is it over? You know, and I, and I said that you know the the virus will be over when it's when it's over, and probably never be over uh, um, completely. But sometimes, and and again, I maybe attribute this to my Native American past is that sometimes you you have to let things run their course, and you have to be okay with that. And you know, a lot of patients come with that, but you know, some have patience and some don't, and. And so it's a very confusing time for for all of us. And uh, but I think patience is the key to to really kind of move forward and and uh, just move cautiously and and uh, limit limit the sort of you know risky behavior that 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 makes that makes things worse. Um, that that's all we can do at this point. Yeah, and and patience certainly, but also understanding that it. It is a science wearing those masks. Are you nervous about the kids going back into the classroom? The you know, I, I'm, um, you know, and I, I think it's me, you know, and I've had activities. I mean, I, I used to walk every day and could, and I, I try to get, I love to golf as well. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think if you're, you're, you're doing the social distance type stuff and you're, you're aware in, in, you know, you don't, you don't go into crowded places and all of that. Then, then I feel okay about it. You know, I think three months ago I was just scared, you know, because we didn't know. And now as I look at it, you know, if we make the right adjustments in school, but again, we're dealing with kids, then I think it'll be okay. I, I'm actually more concerned about their parents and, and all of that. I, I honestly feel, you know, uh, you know, if things are still kind of spiking, that that the parents might just keep them at home anyway. You know what I mean? So, but I'll go and take the precautions and do what I need to do because there's a lot of people out there doing the things that they need to do. And, you know, and my wife's out there today, you know, doing what she needs to do and, and, uh, you know, you know, this as an educator, you know, you're going to do everything you can, you know, to help those kids. And so, uh, so yeah, we may be afraid, but we also have to go and, you know, we also have to go do what, what our, um, what we've been called to do, you know, and, uh, go take care of those kids. So Kirk, uh, aside 
education and, and going back to the Philippines as we bounce around the world here. <laughs> yes. uh, do you have plans to return to the Philippines anytime soon? I want to. I mean, that that's, I would go today. That, that, that would be my plan because I love it so much. You know, and I, I think as, uh, you know, as we get through the pandemic and, and all of that, then I'm, I'm certain that, that we'll go back. You know, I think we've even, we've talked a little bit about retiring there. Oh, you know, cool. uh, my wife thinks a little bit different, you know, that would be good. And, uh, you know, her father is getting up there in years. So they've talked about getting him back to the Philippines and taking care of him over there. So, um, so as soon as I can, you know, it's safe. I'm, uh, I'm all there. So it's just, it's just gorgeous beyond belief, you know, so. Well, hopefully one of these days we can have Blasilla on the show where she can talk about her positive imprints and a little bit of her history. Yes. So Kirk, is there anything else that you want to talk about that we didn't talk about? No, I don't. I think we, we covered a lot of ground and, and I, I just want to uh, congratulate you on your success with this. I, I think anything you, you touch Catherine turns to gold. It's, it's awesome. (laughs) And uh, anyway, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll think about all of our families. You know, I think about my daughter, uh, talk about technology. Um, you know, she was a personal trainer and she's adjusted to online uh, training and, and is doing quite well. She lives in the Houston area, so really concerned about those folks. But, uh, um, but we want to think about all of our families and, and just everybody staying safe. And you know what? Uh, things are going to... They're going to be the way they are right now, and just uh, with a little patience and and little fortitude, it it uh, will 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 pull through it. And uh, and I just thank you so much for uh, having me on your show. Oh, Kirk, it's been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thrilled to be able to have had you on the show. And you know, I like the phrase from Hawaii, you know, uh, "A hui ho," which is we see each other again because we will see each other again and so uh i love that phrase well we will end on that uh yes hui ho absolutely kirk hardham you are absolutely wonderful you're a joy to be with i've loved the connections we've had Uh oh thank you for having me catherine it's been it's been awesome well hui ho Uh, hui ho yeah thank you well aloha everybody and you are listening to your mahalo. positive influence. Mahalo. Yes, mahalo. Yes. Mahalo. <laughs> Bye, Catherine. Bye-bye. Your positive imprint. We'll see you later. What's your PI.